Just sit right back and hear a tale, a tale of faithful spoilerites with Michael Corum and Charles Alba, Trevor I. Flute and Kevin Fly, and Marcello Poblete Alarcon. And this one goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rob. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, aliens, beetles, and goons, oh my, and that's just the schmucks on the panel. Also, I don't know what an occultist is, but I kind of hope it's something like an ice cream man or maybe a nymphomaniac spanking cheerleader. I really should turn on my safe search. Uh, Grant moves on, the little Jimmy moves in, Steven moves in mysterious ways, though that may just be the beer, and the Major Spoilers podcast takes to the air! Welcome to issue 430 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading and checking us out this week. We've got a lot to talk about, including uh, The Occultist from Dark Horse Comics. I think we have a few things to say about that uh, later. Uh, but this week, uh, as far as news goes, uh, I think probably the big news item this week, uh, Grant Morrison to leave Action Comics and Batman Incorporated. So um, in an interview with uh, Comic Book Resources, um, Grant Morrison was talking about his new book with Image Comics called Happy and doing some other things. And then he also announced in that same interview that he's leaving Action Comics after issue number 16 and would exit Batman Incorporated after issue 12. Rodrigo? We don't care. Matthew, what about you? It's interesting in as much as it's not interesting. It's, well, first of all, I, at this point, I expect changes on New DC. As we come up to that 12-issue point, and mm-hmm. the, you, know, you know, we get to that breaking point. I, bel- I want to say Morrison said at the beginning that you know, he was on a, a, an X years or X months contract. Mm. I, I'm bothered to see him leave Batman Incorporated because I, it kind of felt like it was his baby. Right. It was like the Grant Morrison corner of the Batman universe, and I'm sure that well, somebody new will come in. And I, I don't know. So Batman Inc. Uh, is up to issue number three. That issue's been delayed um, until August, uh, not you know for the the Aurora, Colorado issue. Um, but um, so you know he's got a lot of time left on Batman Inc. I'm really hoping that he wraps up his entire Batman arc mm-hmm. with that issue 12 and they don't continue it past that for no other reason than the fact that Batman Inc. is really almost set in the old DC universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still had Stephanie Brown. It's still got uh, some other characters that aren't in the new 52. Uh, so I kind of hope they just let that, that series go away or don't try to force somebody else or somebody else trying to go in and, and ape that style. I am a little disappointed about Action Comics because I thought Morrison was doing a, and is doing a really good job on that series. Um, so that's you know that's kind of disappointing uh, in that front. Rob, I'd say good for him. He the, the way uh, he sounds. He sounds like I've he's told all the stories he's wanted to. Or well, by the end of the uh, runs, he'll have told all the stories he's wanted to tell with 
superheroes altogether mm-hmm. and wants to do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Morrison says, I think I've kind of worked through everything I felt about these characters. It was a bit like going to the uh, psychiatrist and lying on the couch for just long enough to realize what was I thinking. I don't know. I know there are plenty of different ways to use them, but right now I feel like I'm coming to the end of a long, intensive period where I was talking about certain ideas using the language of superheroes, if that makes any sense. I want to try out some new ideas and explore the opportunities that keep coming, uh, that keep coming up to write novels and screenplays. Um... Mm. You know, I you know, I totally understand. I mean, that's a good justification. I'm just kind of tired of writing superheroes right now. Mm-hmm. But it seems like uh, Grant Morrison's a pretty big name, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And this is not the first big name writer or well-known writer to exit the world of um corporate comics mm-hmm. and strike out and do independent comics. Now he's doing this happy comic with uh, image, image is creator owned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just wondering if we aren't just seeing, if this isn't the, not the straw that broke the camel's back, but if this isn't the tipping point for a lot of people moving away from exclusive contracts, uh, writers moving more into um, creator owned works, works that they can control and do with what they will. Uh, you know, on and on. I mean, we heard Chris Roberson talk about it a couple weeks ago. Um, I didn't see the comment on Twitter, but several people pointed it out that after the report of Grant Morrison leaving um, uh, Action Comics and uh, Batman Inc., uh, uh, Rob Liefeld said, oh, I'm going to be right behind you. So I don't know if that means he's exiting uh, or what's going on. No, it means he's taking uh, Grant Morrison's seat in the oh, DC cafeteria. Okay. Well, this is this is something that when you... This is not the first time... right. That Grant Morrison has said, I'm done with superheroes. Yeah. Uh, after he wrote Arkham Asylum in 90, 89, something like that, he basically went kind of off the grid, at least you know in America, and did a lot of work that was off the books. Things like um, The New Adventures of Hitler, which I actually recommend, as horrible as it is. Yeah. But he did a lot of stuff between about 1989 and 1994. Yeah, that was totally not... Yeah, superhero was, genre. That's where he did Flex Mentalo. Yeah. That yeah. was where he did, you know, all sorts of weird, weird, weird stuff. Uh-huh. And then he came back with JLA. Yeah, and, 96. you know, through JLA, and then he kind of zoned out again. I think when it comes to Morrison, Morrison is a writer, first mm-hmm. and foremost. And I think, you know, writing Batman for five years will probably burn you out on Batman. Has it been five years or has it been seven years? I know, it's been, up, oh, hell, I don't know. No, I guess it's been five years because it was after Major Spoiler started that he started in with... Uh, yeah, it was like, oh, five or five. Seven, I think, probably. Let's say yes. Yeah. Final Crisis came out in 08. Yeah. So he does have Multiversity. It's an uh, it's eight issues there. And then he also said in the interview that he's 30-odd pages into a Wonder Woman, Woman project. Uh, right. But he said that those are finite stories. Those aren't ongoings. And he's doing all that stuff under his Warren Ellis name for Avatar comics. <laughs> because but Grant Morrison and Warren Ellis and Garth Ennis are actually all the same man changing his yeah. name for tax purposes. Yeah, I, so, you know, I think it's great. I, if he wants to go out and do something interesting or something different, that's great. And if he wants to do it in the non-superhero genre, I think that's great, too. I'd be interested in, in at least checking it out. I know with the announcement of Happy that, uh, that I do want to check that out as well. So uh, yeah. who knows? And, you know, keep in mind, Grant Morrison was actually killed in Suicide Squad number 58 in, like, 1999. 
So technically, this is all post-mortem. He's like sending it back from beyond the pale. <laughs> like Tupac. Rodrigo, yeah. any thoughts on these writers moving on to maybe doing more creator-owned stuff? I think, I well, think there's a... the other writer? I thought you just talked about Longfellow. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Roberson exited oh. and is doing all creator-owned stuff. Um, we do have... I thought Mark M- Miller had uh, exited, but he's still doing some stuff with Marvel. But he's got his own... He's um, doing uh, stuff for uh, Marvel's, like... Hard hitting imprint. What is that called? Like Max. Icon. No, Icon, Icon is the creator. Icon is their creator own. No. And then he has Millerverse, which is Hit Girl, which is uh, right now Hit Girl, and right uh, that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's when when we started talking about it, I was like, well, this is another example of that thing that I'm talking that that I bring up every once in a while that comics are behind. And you know, it's almost like no one ever thought, like, hey, as a creator, I could have control of my own stuff. Right. But maybe they're not behind maybe for ones they're ahead because if you look at tv you know if you produce a property on television you don't have ownership of that property usually it's going to be the studio or whoever Mm -hmm. that that have ownership of that so maybe this is this is a rare case of a mainstream medium that's actually getting wise to the fact that you you know Books have been doing it forever, but mm-hmm. still, you know. Well, and you you do need that point of distribution. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we say that with major spoilers, but, you know, the Major Spoilers podcast is owned by Major Spoilers. So right. since I put up all of the money, I put up all, you know, the Major Spoilers puts up all the money and, and suffers the bulk of the uh, expense and risk with this, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, the ownership of that is, is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone else came and said, hey, we want to put a podcast on your network, if I'm incurring risk and cost on that, then yeah, that would also be right, mine. And right. you would be entitled to a portion of that. And that's kind of the way, you're right, Rodrigo, book publishing has done that, uh, and comic book publishing has done that. So you need that distribution outlet. Obviously, with the digital release and with uh, digital distributors like Comixology and Iverse and, and Graphically, uh, that makes it a little bit easier for independent people to go out and do that on their own. And certainly with the introduction of companies that uh, support creator rights, hmm. Image Comics, um, you know, that that's another big, big plus. And it used to be that you had to be huge in order for a company to let you do whatever you want. Man, then I must be able to do anything I want. Well, um... Oh, you're talking about huge as in popularity, yes, not huge as in you need to lose as, yes, that's, 200 that pounds. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I meant. Oh, okay. Um, like, you have to be a, a uh, Jack Kirby who then... Gets to turn uh, Superman's friend Jimmy Olsen into the trippiest thing ever, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, so that's and that's and that's what you have to do. You have to be colossal first. But now it's getting to the point where you have more uh, creator-owned imprints, and really, I mean, we know people who mm-hmm. aren't really going through an imprint to print mm-hmm. their comics. They right. are literally just putting money up. To get a limited print run, right. sell those, then yeah. put more money up to get more comics yeah, going. Exactly. I mean, there are, like, obviously, uh, Morrison wouldn't have to go quite that... Uh, no, but I mean... Quite that grassroots, but yeah, yeah. he could get pretty close nowadays. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like Monkey Brain, you can mm-hmm. probably... I mean, if he was just like, okay, I have an imprint now, which, actually, I think he might, <laughs> um, Comixology would probably be like, all right. Well, they'd probably just, just distribute him... By himself, if he yeah, said, "Hey, exactly, here's my yeah, comic. directly." But yeah, I mean, usually that distributor, like what Monkey Brain is doing, uh, they take care of all the business and all the PR mm-hmm. and all that other mm-hmm. stuff, and let the creators do what they want to do. That'll I, work. Got nothing. Rob's got nothing <laughs> at this point. I'm Rob. Well, Rob, let me ask you this then: 
would you rather have Grant Morrison tell, let's say he's not leaving superheroes, but let's just say he's leaving Superman, Batman, and DC and Marvel behind, and he wants to write his own um, Superman trope-filled story. Would you be more interested in Grant Morrison's original take on that trope, or would you rather have him stay with Superman? I'd be more interested in Grant Morrison's original take, which is kind of what most yeah. of Grant Morrison's stuff is Well, anyways, yeah, but... but, you know, he does have to, because he yeah. works for DC, and though I've heard they kind of let him do whatever, I don't know that for sure. That's right. what I've heard. Um, but they still have to make sure that he works within the the confines of yeah. the company. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you do get to this point where you're just like, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore, and you go off and do your own thing. Now, I'm not saying that's what or, Morrison's or, or, doing. Or, or potentially the moment where, and he wouldn't necessarily have to do this, but the point where you shave your head and wander off into the wilderness because you found a better way. Well, he's halfway you know? there. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. He wouldn't actually have to shave his head, but he can wander off into the wilderness <laughs> yeah. and find his better way. Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, the the question of, uh, to my knowledge, there was there was a man in college uh, years years ago. His name was Doctor J. Gillette, who used Ugh. to tell me, Ugh. "Plan for your job five years down the line." Right. And I said, "Why?" And he said, "Because most jobs last five years." Now, of the many things that J. Gillette told me, this is the one that is the most true. My last four jobs have lasted almost exactly five years. Mm-hmm. And I think about that. If Morrison's been on Batman for five years, he's been writing Batman. Writing Batman is like shorthand for I am the bellwether of superhero comics. That's true. You you are kind of the I mean you are where the industry is if you're writing Batman or to a lesser degree writing X-Men. So I think it may be something where he's like I'm I'm superheroed out. I'm tired of this this thing and you know I'm going to give up the call center and go work for the hospital. I think that that's something that you have to take into account, even if it's something where he's not stomping off into the wilderness or, you know, there doesn't seem to be any angry sort of, I hate you, DC, you suck. It's just kind of a, yep, done here. He may have closed his chapter and three or four years down the line, he'll come back with a, a killer idea on how to revamp Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. All right. Or Miley Cyrus, who is a, a cartoon character now, I think. Really? Is she? Interesting. I think so. Interesting. All right, everybody, you can uh, continue on with this discussion over at Majorspoilers.com. Uh, you can check it out on the website, Grant Morrison to Leave Action Comics and Batman Incorporated. You can also go and check out an uh, editorial I wrote last week on how we create our own villains and which came first, the hero or the villain. Mm. And it turns out the hero comes first and then the villain, the supervillain. Uh, follows quickly behind. Uh, also check out the comic casting couch on The Dark Knight Returns. If George could fill those shoes with any actor, who would it be and why? And check those out. Wally Cox. And many more. Or WallerSpoilers.com. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into some reviews. How to get a major spoilers shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006.
thank you so much for everyone who's made those recurring donations. You don't know how much they actually help us out and help keep things going. And if you would, if you're going to buy something from Amazon.com, another thing that you can do that would really help us out is go over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon link, purchase something through there because a little bit of that money comes to us and uh, people are buying some really great things and that's helping us uh, continue to do the things that we do and more. Did I tell you what I bought that. through Amazon the other day? I, I'm afraid to ask, Matthew. It's a it's a because you a can pretty much buy my, everything from Amazon for my and, Android phone, right? But it's a cover that makes it look like a cassette tape. Oh, okay. How much did you? Did, hopefully, you went through the major spoilers link for that. I did indeed go through the major spoilers. And did you link have to pay because, any extra for that because you went through I the major did spoilers? Not. Not only that, I got free shipping. Although I don't think that had to do with going through major spoilers. Might have, but I did not pay anything more. It was exactly the same price as it would have been. And it's the and same product. Same. You're product, satisfied same with quality. it. I am a satisfied customer. See, I a satisfied customer. Hooked on phonics worked for me. Thank you, everyone, for helping us out. And please continue. Majorspoilers.com. Click on that Amazon.com link. Help uh, help the economy grow. Yeah. Buy things. Yeah. So, all right, let's get to some reviews. Review. Who's Taylor Swift? Who's Taylor Swift? I don't know. Well, uh, how about Blue Beetle? Let's take Blue a look. Beetle. Back, back, back to last week, seven days ago, mm-hmm. depending on when you're listening to this, to Blue Beetle number 11 from DC Comics, writer Tony Bedard, Rob Fill us in on this, because I have not read this series since issue one. Uh, well, Jaime Reyes is still the Blue Beetle. Uh, he's in New York after having beat, or after having almost killed his best friend and then saved his life with uh, Reach Tech, making him become an evil Beetle thing. Beetleman. Yeah, and then convincing him that he was evil by beating on Brenda, or by, <gasps> by hitting Brenda once. And then running away to New York. This issue starts with a, uh, and he's had some other run-ins with other superheroes, including Kyle Rayner. And this issue, as after that, after he's been caught doing more bad things, and a blog called Super Fail is making them his, making him their butt monkey. Oh, uh, but it opens up on a. Uh, a talk show type thing uh, with the guy who does super fail bad mouthing blue beetle saying that they're not doing anything wrong. They're just showing exactly what uh, blue beetle did himself. Mm-hmm. And then booster gold joins them and he says the beetle might not be such a bad kid that he might need help and tells him to contact him. Wow. Uh, which Jaime does. Uh, the other plot thread going on in this is Brenda and Paco have come to New York to get Jaime back, uh, to bring him back to, was it El Paso? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. It, it's been a while since they've mentioned it. Uh, and they end up being tagged, uh, cause Paco has the reach tech on his heart. So they get picked up by director bones of, Oh yeah. Some meta human affairs or whatever it is. The DEO headquarters or DEO. And he sees them because Paco is carrying the same signature as the blue beetle. Uh, this, so they get caught by director bones after meeting 
Jaime's uh, abuela. That's how I say it, right? I'm, Grand, I'm pretty sure they just meet the fortune teller. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they meet someone else who lives with his abuela, who lives with Jaime's grandmother. <laughs> Sorry, I, I Rob, Rob learned a new word today. Yeah. I know, and I could hear you audibly <laughs> cringing as he said <laughs> Oh, no, he's all right. No, I, I did. There's a fair chunk of Spanish in this issue, and I did have Rodrigo check it when I got here because I don't know anything about Spanish. And what you said it was... Yeah, it was fine. This I, is, think, uh, I think they might have missed an accent somewhere, but, I mean, that's minor. Sounds like people yeah. are listening to you, Rodrigo. Well, finally. <laughs> is it still written by Tony Bedard? Yes, it is. Yeah. And there you go. Uh, but so Paco and Brenda get picked up and they're going to take the uh, reach tech out of Paco's heart. Uh, but Booster meets uh, Beetle and almost immediately punches him. They get into the superhero fight because Booster tricked him because... And this is one of the times where Booster being from the future is used mostly correctly. He remembers a reach invasion that happened in the past and recognizes what Beetle is. Okay. So he starts to take Jaime down. It's so sad that this series is just a retread of the previous series. Uh, that happened in the previous? There was a reach, there was a re, uh, reach invasion yeah. in the last series. Well, but I, what he's saying, there hasn't been a reach invasion. Yeah. Right. Like, Booster knows that Eventually, in the future, there will right, be a reach invasion. Right. right, right. right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, having revamped the whole universe and relaunched a character that only started in 2006, they may have tried to actually get some people's eyes on the stuff that happened in 2007 yeah, and 2008 that nobody read. I that mean, was a good series. That mm. series was canceled for low sales, yep. though. I mean, yeah. and it, uh, from how I'm reading the book, it doesn't sound like the Reach invasion is supposed to be coming anytime soon, uh, because Jamie's or Jaime's Beetle is... I'm pronouncing that correctly? Jaime? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty close. Kajida. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't sound like his Beetle is functioning correctly at all, mm-hmm. and wasn't even supposed to be at Earth yet. Mm. So, the Reach invasion is potentially, you know, because it's, it's after the... Uh, Red, green, and rot stuff. That's going to be the next crossover, I'm sure. And another war of the Green Lanterns. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it doesn't sound like the Reach invasion is supposed to happen anytime soon. It could be, you know, a few centuries from now. Okay. Uh, But I was kind of hoping that the reason Booster was going to be in here was to mention Ted Kord, who hasn't been mentioned at all. Because he doesn't exist in the New 52. But he was awesome. Well, he so was the last. Uh, so was the last Blue Beetle series. <laughs> you see what they did with that. I don't think anybody has ever said that Ted Cord doesn't exist. Have they? At, at this point, I'm going to have to say they're implying it because Booster's reaction isn't one of "Why are you desecrating my friend?" Well, I mean, through JLI, haven't we? I mean, the Booster Gold doesn't have. Did he have? Yeah, his he own was title? in JLI. Yeah. Did he have his own title? No, he doesn't have his own title. Right. So yeah. uh, in JLI, I mean, he's like we've seen most of his arc mm-hmm. in JLI, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he like he, he he had only been around for a short time when he got thrown into the JLI, wasn't he? Well, we I don't uh, in, uh, I don't know. If I in haven't JLI, been keeping that much his origin track. story. Yeah, oh. JLI hasn't looked at his origin story. Okay, uh, and about or and it feels kind of like he's 
set up as where he was left off pre yeah, New Fifty Two. So there's some of so that there going was, on. Yeah, there there is, and there have been rumors spread around the Intard webs that um, there are two people in the current Fifty Two who know that there was a previous universe. One mm-hmm. of them is Batman, because in a recent, um, uh, I think maybe it was Justice League. Uh, installment, they showed Batman looking at the letter that came from his father in the other universe when they were doing the uh, Flashpoint Flashpoint Flashpoint. event. So he knows that there was another universe and things have changed. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Booster could be that other person because if you've watched Back to the Future Part 2, you know that when you jump ahead or you jump into the past and you change the past, you skew off into another timeline and when you jump forward in the time, you're not in the timeline that you once were, but in this new alternate reality where your father's dead and Biff Tannen has married your mother. Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Brown is in the insane asylum. So, oh yeah, but and I am in an insane asylum. Yeah. The other reason why... So that that could be, in this, mm-hmm. in this case... Uh, the other reason I would say Booster is it is because Boosters was the only title that wasn't canceled going into Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. He knew yeah. what was going on in there the entire right. time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I was hoping for a mention of Ted Core. Didn't get it. Still got a good issue. Uh, and they Bedard used Booster correctly. Used the whole future knowledge correctly. Of mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, he's showing Booster when Booster arrives at the uh, the talk show. He you know plugs some of his brands like Booster Gold Free Range Chicken or whatever. I don't remember what it was. It was coffee and a booster energy drink thing uh, and he does the whole publicity stunt or the publicity persona yeah, but yeah. when he actually meets Beetle he's you know really saying you know this this happened this is gonna happen I know exactly what you are I can't save you mm-hmm. so I'm gonna have to take you out uh, Beetle is actually saved by his grandmother who knows he's the Beetle, despite the fact that he's in costume. And she gives him a cryptic, uh, meet me at home, you're not following me on the subway, change before you get there. Hmm. Uh, so, overall, the issue turned out really well. Uh, I like how it looks. Uh, I was disappointed because of my own expectations, mm-hmm. but after getting past that, it is a really well-done issue. Say four slices. All right, cool. Nice. You know, I would totally, if if DC could somehow convince like Red Bull or Monster or um, what's the one that I drink? Uh, Rockstar. Rockstar. Rockstar would really be the one. Well, Rockstar because they've already, be the the, the, the they've already got the They've already got the the blue. Uh, what is it? The blue agave or the uh, azure agave azure or whatever it is the blue devil drink. Mm-hmm. Um, if they could totally convince one of those companies to rebrand it as. The Booster Gold Energy right. Drink. I'd so be buying cases of that, like uh, pallets like, of that, like the Simpsons did with uh, yes, with Buzz Cola. With Buzz Cola. Yeah, yeah. I th- think they did it. With and then Duff you could have well. the blue version be Blue Beetle. Yeah, yeah. I'd totally buy. I'd totally buy that. Yeah. Well, totally the buy blue that. version is Even already Blue like Devil, it. so they could yeah. just go with that. Well, so <laughs> they could just get Blue Devil. Has Blue Devil shown up yet? Nope. He's about to. I think in uh, Justice League Dark. Blue yes. Devil is going to be showing up in DC uh, Universe Presents, teamed up with oh, okay. um, another character whose name escapes me right now. Right, is it yes. Ragman? No. Oh. It's somebody that you wouldn't expect, though. 
Um, and I can't remember now because the the creators of both characters were up in arms about it on the Twitter. Atomic mm. Robo. Maybe that's who it is. It's not Atomic Robo. Robo. That would be awesome. All right, another book uh, that came out a while ago, maybe. Uh, Revival number one from Tim Seeley with art by Mike Norton from Image Comics. Matthew, you took a gander at that. I did. Uh, Revival number one actually starts out in a place that scared me. Not frightened me as, ooh, scary stuff, blah, Count Floyd's 3D House of Slave Chicks, but, oh dear, am I reading The Walking Dead again? Yeah, because that's really how it starts out. Well, I mean... Well, it, not exactly. Basically, we open in a small town, kind of kind of a Fargo kind of feel. Yeah. A small town in the Midwest or in the Northeast or the Northwest Wisconsin. Wisconsin is in the Northwest East. And a, a Zorse, which is half zebra, half horse, spends four pages running in and dying on panel. And I'm like, that's cool, I guess. And basically what it comes down to is... Uh, this area of Wisconsin has been put under quarantine by the Center for Disease Control and the government because of revivers. And we don't see what revivers are for like the first half of the issue. We meet our main character. She is a police officer or, you know, a, a, a sheriff. She works for her father. She has a young son. She's divorced. And basically, as the issue goes through, it feels very real. It's, you know, it feels very cinematic, very much the opening scenes of a movie. You know, there's a crazy old man who hangs out at the police station and her father finally sits her down and says, OK, well, you've got this new position. You are now the official arbiter when it comes to revivals. Now, again, no context for what this means, but there's a definite and actually a really well done and really, really effective use of that ominous. Dun, dun, dun. We meet her sister. She ends up giving her sister a ride because her sister forgot to fuel up her car. And we get the feeling that her sister is this college age kind of losery type. She basically is investigating the story of the Zorse. And the story of the Zorse is basically two people um, arguing that one of them poisoned the zebra horse. Mm. And it's very, it's very cool. Actually. It's funny. There's some, some interesting kind of, uh, Racial interactions. Uh, one of the characters is uh, Muang, I believe it is, or Huang, and they're arguing back and forth. And the the racist white woman is like, "Your people eat horses, don't they?" It just oh, it's terrible. And then we find out what a revival is, and it's not as horrifying as it should be until you realize how horrifying it is. Revivals are people who inexplicably for no reason come back from the dead and won't die and the first revival we meet is apparently the woman behind the whole thing and she breaks the case and she figures it out but there's the horrifying sequence where we find that this this old lady she's probably 65 or 70 is hiding in the family's barn and i'm like ooh, shades of herschel and as you walk in the barn there are teeth hundreds and hundreds of teeth more teeth than any normal human being would ever have and i'm like oh god she's a serial killer she's a murderous zombie she's a horrible thing no she's an old lady in a bathtub in a bathrobe who came back from the dead and she wants to wear her false teeth so she has to pull out her normal teeth because they keep growing back mm. and the body horror 
and Rodrigo laughing horribly, and then I'm sure her face will open up. But it's really effective. At you know, at three quarters of the way into the book, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm buying this. So, I don't care how this issue ends. I'm buying this. So, question then: Are these uh, brains eat your intestines? Nope. Zombies? Nope. What about the rotted people? Are there any They're rotted rot. people? There are no rotted people. Hmm. The only reviver that we meet in this issue is an old lady who looks like an old lady. Hmm. Now, okay. she does some things that are pretty awful, but she does them looking just like a human being. And the only thing that's horrible about her is she's got blood on her face because she's taking a pair of pliers sure. and ripping out her teeth, trying to put in her false teeth as her real teeth keep growing back. Now, is this story take place over a couple of days? Because the solicitation, and this, is, this is what threw me. It says, for one day in rural central Wisconsin, the dead came mm -hmm. back to life. Now it's yep. up to Officer Dana Cypress to deal with the media scrutiny, blah, 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 blah. So I, I didn't know if they all came back to life for one day and then they all died again and now we have to figure out what's going on or if. I think that's a poor choice of phrasing. It's not okay. for one day. I think it's actually one day all right, the day. Right. Okay. But this is really kind of, it reminds me of Fargo in a very nice way. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Brian K. Vaughn's work, mm -hmm. specifically on Why the Last Man. And it basically starts out as this perfectly normal story with perfectly normal, boring people. And we keep finding more and more things that are wrong. And then, of course, when the old lady starts flipping out, we discover that revivals, it's not just her teeth that grow back. And at the end of the issue, there is a huge, huge moment where you're just kind of like, oh, my God. And we find out that, you know, there's more than one revival in the room. <laughs> I loved this book the first few pages i'm like i don't understand this but then on the reread you know it felt very calculated it felt very well put together mm -hmm. and even the bit with the source you know mm -hmm. and i love saying source by the way yeah you the could also call source, it you could also call a source as a donk a zebra yeah. mule or a zebrule or a zebroid a which is their uh official name but check this out a hebra because no. that sounds like a but if a donkey and a zebra get it on you get a zebra henny or a donkra. A donkra? Yes. <laughs> I want a donkra. I don't even care if it's a horrible mutated beast. It does say they do exist, but are rare. Hmm. Yeah. This felt very cinematic. And, you know, I say that a lot is this felt like a well done first 10 minutes of a movie. Mm -hmm. The art is really, really consistent throughout. Great facial expressions, which that's, I mean, that's the first hook for me is the art is clear. You understand what's going on. There's a sequence where, you know, she's getting ready, brushing her teeth. She's half dressed in her bra and, and it doesn't feel creepy. It doesn't feel, you know, prurient. It feels like, okay, this is a movie. We're in this woman's house. We're invisible, you know, perverts watching her. But throughout the issue, it just builds and builds and builds. And when the horror kicks in, it kicks in hard. And it's not horror that I've seen a thousand times before. And I'm a George Romero fan. I'm a zombie movie fan. You know, I when I was a kid, I made the mistake of watching, uh, I think it's Luciano Fulci's Zombie 2. One evening, when I, I was probably nine. Mm -hmm. And I caught this, I'm, I caught this, I swear, on cable. And I have no idea how it got on cable, but I sat and I watched that and I didn't sleep for six months. But this is really, really good. This is five slices of meatloaf, and I'm putting it on my pull list. Excellent. This is this is fun. 
And this is uh, Mike Norton, Battle Pug Mike Norton. So the art mm-hmm. is, is really good. Yeah, I believe the uh, writer is Tim Seeley. Yeah, yeah. Hack Slash. I know, but I can't remember. Hack, Hack Slash that we've reviewed before. Yeah, I like Hack Slash. I feel bad buying it because I think they're going to put me on a list, but I like Hack Slash. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got its good moments. Um, okay, cool. So people uh, might want to check that out if they haven't already. I recommend it. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, uh, coming up this week, Goon Number 40 by Eric Powell, art by Eric Powell. Uh, this is the first of the monthly ongoing series um, for the Goon. And uh, it starts out with, this is a tale that takes place before current time, uh, timeline of the Goon, takes place in the past during a time of prohibition, mm-hmm. where the town decided to go dry because drinking leads to donkey screwing. Mm-hmm. Or uh, is it what? a donkey or a goat? I forget which one it is. A goat. I'm sorry. Uh, and the entire tale is narrated by someone who looks a lot like Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> and so he's singing about America and how you don't mess with America and all these bad things. And then it turns into a Prohibition era story. Uh, and if you uh, are familiar with Prohibition and what happened in the South during Prohibition, this is where hot rods came from. This is where drag racing came from. Uh, uh, stock car racing came from Prohibition. Uh, not, uh, yeah, Prohibition and the uh, time period after it w- afterwards when uh, many uh, counties and states were still dry and you had to get the alcohol. Hooch. Hooch. Uh, the, the moonshine uh, over to uh, the places as quickly as you could. And so the goon and uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, what's the other kid's name? Mikey? No. Um, Frankie. 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 That's what it is. Decide to go Night into the moonshine and moonshine and business. And at first they realize that their car is just too slow, um, especially when they got pulled over by a cop on a bicycle. So <laughs> then they souped up their car and they ma- made the fastest car in the county. And of course that caught the attention of the uh, 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 rival family who are just bad people. Uh, that leads to one of the very first stock car races and the devil showing up and saying, whoever is the slowest will be uh, will be dragged down to hell with me. And then, of course, it's got a uh, devil goes down to Georgia mm-hmm. theme going on in there. Uh, of course, the goon wins and uh, so on and so forth. And then uh, while Frankie's mixing, there's three different chapters, so there's three little short stories going on in, in here. Frankie's mixing up a, a batch of hooch and a, a local skunk ape, uh, smells it, gets turned on by it, drinks it. And then because we're dealing with this rockabilly type format, uh, the uh, skunk ape turns into Ratfink. Uh, a, a rat fink type character, I should say, nice. that drives off in a hot rod, and and the goon and everybody chases him down, and it turns right into one of those uh, drawings. What's his name? Steve. Uh, what's the guy that does the the rat fink character? Do you remember Matthew? Uh, I don't think it was Steve. Uh, Ed Roth. I'm sorry. Yeah, him, Big Daddy Roth. Yeah, Big Daddy Roth. And so it's it's just funny to see the last half of this book turn into an you know, at least for three pages, an Ed Roth thing. Nice. And then all of a sudden, uh, Prohibition ends after five days. <laughs> so this whole story takes place over the course of five days. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's rather interesting. Uh, Reed, the art is fantastic, as always, from, 
from uh, Eric Powell. Uh, the story is interesting as well. Um, there's some great humor. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just wasn't sold on. The, it just seemed like everything was being rushed through, especially when you get into some moments uh, where instead of Hank Williams, it should be uh, Waylon Jennings going, oh, boy, them, that goon boy is in sure a lot of trouble because they actually have a moment where they're jumping over something mm-hmm. as they're narrating it, saying, oh, boy, those boys are in trouble now. So it really turns into kind of a Dukes of Hazard kind of bit. Uh, but there's really not any character development. You You meet some interesting you meet some interesting characters in this uh, fa- this rival family, uh, but they're introduced and then they're killed off in like five pages. Mm-hmm. And so even though there's potential to have some really great characters in the form of this preacher father who does the snake dancing stuff and his son who keeps dying and then the, the, the preacher guy keeps bringing him back to, to life and basically is turning him into a, a Frankenstein to the... Um, evil femme fatale sister who wants to kill everybody. You know, there's a lot of great character potential, but in the end, they're just dragged to hell by the devil. And, uh, and that's it. I think I've seen that movie. Yeah. It, it's just, it's good, uh, but it's not that good. Uh, I really do like the goon. Uh, I think it's a great series, but this one wasn't the, uh, the favorite of my recents. So I'm only going to give it uh, three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Still worth picking up, especially if you're a goon fan. Um, but, uh, I think probably the next issue will be better. So there you go. Let us check out what is going on in the world of our favorite resident alien. Rodrigo? <laughs> Actually, I have my citizenship now. <laughs> no. Oh, I meant the, the book resident alien. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, I see oh, what sure I did there. You did. Sure you did. <laughs> Rodrigo, please. You've been filling us in for... Three issues By now. Way, Let's get to our issues, actually. Oh, four what, issues. Zero, is... one, two, and now we're into our fourth issue, which is issue number three. Right. As as uh, as things are want to be now. Um, all right. So Resident Alien, uh, and, and be advised that if you decide to go back and pick up Resident Alien, the first issue is issue number zero, and it's a full issue. So this is actually the fourth issue in this volume, and also the final issue in this volume. So... Resident Alien is the story of a, a space alien who crashes to Earth and then hides in this sleepy little town um, uh, under and, and pretends to be a doctor. Um, of course, he's a super advanced alien, so he can be a doctor. That's not a problem. Uh, and then he gets roped into this perfectly mundane murder mystery that then he basically has to solve so that people will leave him alone. So this is the last uh, issue, and he figures out who uh, it is that has been murdering people with about as much ceremony as I just gave you. Um, He gets it wrong, then goes, and then the guy attacks him, and this story is over. Like, this issue was actually kind of a letdown. Um, It seems to just completely fall flat, despite the fact that they were building all kinds of stuff in previous issues. Now, this is... This is the final issue? This is the final issue of this volume. And the final issue of that storyline. Now, we're still potentially going to see more of this character, because they're moving him to Dark Horse Presents. Uh, So we'll get to see about four panels of him a month. Yeah, yeah. uh, For a while. Um, And... um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a like, oh, well, that's it. And there's some interesting stuff going on. You know, the 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 mo of the um, of the killer is, you know, 
not that I, I mean it's it's kind of interesting but it's also they kind of deflated right then and there mm. i don't know i was just i mean the art continues to be fine but i was just kind of let down by how it just kind of went and over that's sad yeah so Did you want more i i i i guess so i mean at the end of the last issue he is going to go investigate slash confront the person that he thinks did it. And then when it turns out it wasn't him, the person who actually did do it jumps out of the bushes and tries Blah. to Yeah, and tries to kill him. I'm gonna kill you, resident alien doctor. At, at, at which at which point there is a fight and he is subdued. You know, uh, like it's just Yeah, exactly. And there's a moment of why did you did it why did you do it? This reason. Okay. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's just like... Yeah, yeah, There's no... Uh, the the only kind of denouement you get. And, and even then, it has kind of like this weirdly forced final character moment for the for the alien. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just wasn't, wasn't all that impressed by it. I'm going to give this um, two slices of meatloaf, which is significantly lower than I think what I've been giving it... Um, uh, and you know the art is fine and everything, but it was just kind of like it's like getting on a roller coaster and going, and then when you get to the top, it starts to go down at that same speed, just oh, yeah, on yeah. the way down. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, all right, you go up, <laughs> you come over, and then welcome to the station. Yep, and then just pull in right there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how it went for me. All right. Turns out it was Earth all along. Yeah. All right, everybody, let's take a listen to this review submitted by Jimmy. Thanks, guys. This is Jimmy, and I'm here to review Finding Gossamer number one from Third World Studios. This is an all-ages title that had a free comic book day issue out this year, so if you didn't get a chance to pick that up, the basic premise of Finding Gossamer is it's the story of a brother and sister, Denny and Jenna. Now, Denny is a special young boy, very reminiscent of the prototypical Rain Man character. He's not very socially accessible. He's a brilliant mathematician. And unfortunately for his sister Jenna, she has to take care of him. It's not revealed what happened to the parents, though there is a phone conversation that may be with one of the parents in the book, so I assume that will be explored at some point. Now, the big draw to this story is the art. The art is incredible. It's obviously reminiscent of Pixar movies, and the artist does an incredible job of capturing that feel. As I was reading this, I was actually almost seeing the panels animate themselves as if it was a Pixar movie. The color palette is perfect, and all of the characters express so much emotion. Now. The Pixar feel to it did actually draw me out of one thing. The premise, as I mentioned earlier, is that Jenna is the caretaker for her brother, Denny. But Jenna appears to be only about 14 or 15 years old, but is clearly meant to be college age, as she mentions wanting to go study in Sydney. Other than that minor quibble, I really have nothing against this book. It's a very fun story. The premise of mathematical theorems managing to create paths to other worlds and actually being used as weapons on other worlds is kind of unusual for it being an all-ages book. But, I suppose, with children who don't really know a whole lot about math, math might seem very magical, 
After all, we've all mentioned being a mathemagician at one point or another, haven't we? Or maybe that's just me being a nerd. But, all in all, Finding Gossamer was a fantastic story. Gorgeous art. The writing was good, though it didn't blow me away or anything. So overall, I give Finding Gossamer number one, four slices of meatloaf. And at a price point of $3.99 for 36 beautiful pages, I'm definitely going to have to pick up issue number two. Once again, I'm Jimmy. You can look at more of my reviews on Majorspoilers.com. Thanks, guys, and back to you. Thank you, Jimmy, and be on the lookout or listen out or be <laughs> listening for more from other Major Spoilers staff in the weeks ahead. There are other Major Spoilers. Yes, and you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and you can find many, 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 many more reviews over there. All right, the reviews are done, and now... It's time! Oh, boy, he actually got in this week. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> pretty good. Uh, the Skype connection must be works. working. I think Microsoft no, listened to actually, me last I week. No, actually, I just uh, kind of judged that we're about five seconds. Oh, off, okay. So I went five seconds before it. He was, Never mind. He was trying to interrupt you. I was, just like, <laughs> I was back-timing. <laughs> I thought I was going to interrupt you, but it turned... Never mind. It's time for the millions in attendance. And the seven guys listening to this on the bus, it's time. DX reunited yesterday, and so let's get ready to suck it! The major spoilers poll of the week, 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 So this week, uh, I was curious as to what people, what genres of comic books people liked to listen to or read. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or listen to. Maybe you put your ear up to your comic book and, at night and say, Whisper sweet nothings into my ear. They're my 3D man collection, if you hold it up to your ear, you hear the ocean. Uh, so there are a number of different genres out there, ranging everything from uh, adult uh, to fantasy to superhero to romance, religious, web comics, everything in between. Originally, this poll this week was supposed to be a multi-answer poll, but there's something wrong, and I, I think I've tracked it down, why it wasn't allowing multiple answers to be done. So see to keyboard interface problems? No, it's actually uh I found the uh, some code in the back end that was not uh ID correct. T error. No. <laughs> uh so uh there was only one option, but the th- four of us will go through and pick our top three genres this week. And Matthew, why don't we start with you? Hello. My name's Matthew. My favorite comic book genre Actually, and this is this is difficult for me because if you had said if I knew it was a top three, I would have gotten three and just like this. See now, Skype's listening. Yeah, you, you had to you mention jinxed it. you jinxed it. You so jinxed it. Why did it. you? Why can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Testy, testy. My top three would be adult erotic, superheroes, and you're going to laugh at me, but religious, because I love the work of Jack T. Chick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you had to pick one and I did have to pick one, I actually chose, um, my favorite, probably the majority of my collection is superheroes. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the majority of many, if not all collections, right. you know, uh, at least of the last 20 years of superheroes. Yeah. Most of it. But you know, given way. the option to choose three, and I think it would have been really awesome. I, I, I liked Rob's comment though, which was, uh, how are these genres? <laughs> so, Rob, uh, what are your top three uh, genres? Uh, I'm going to have to go with superheroes. Okay. Because, I mean, it's, it's all superheroes. Sure. Uh, 
a toss up between horror and sci-fi. Uh-huh. And then web comics, which is where I got the question that Matthew just said of how is that a genre? <laughs> is it on the web? It counts as a genre. It counts as a genre. Rodrigo, what about you? Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with uh science fiction. Okay. Superheroes. Okay. And other. What, what is other? Uh, I don't know. Super ducks. Super ducks. That would be superheroes, wouldn't they? Uh, would it? They're super. If it's a if it's a web comic about superheroes, oh, okay. it's a web comic. Therefore, mm-hmm. if it has ducks in it, it's got to be a duck comic. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's done. what you want to go. All right. <laughs> uh, so for me, the first was web comics, then superheroes. And then um, it is, is really kind of um, a toss-up. You know, really, any of the other ones will work. Although I found myself leaning more towards the crime-oriented mm-hmm. uh, thriller-type story. So that would be, my, uh, that would be the third one in that, uh, in that pile. Although, you know, I read across a lot of them um, yeah. a lot of the times. So, so un- unfortunately, we only had, because of the uh, coding, only one poll... Uh, yeah. This week, and as expected, Matthew, a majority of the people picked. Sixty-six percent of the people chose superheroes. One hundred and eighty votes in, though. When yeah. you think about sixty-six percent of one hundred and eighty, basically you've got wait a majority sixty people, <laughs> sixty people who chose something else. Yeah, yeah. So uh, science fiction and fantasy probably coming up close at nine and eight percent. Mm-hmm. Horror, manga, uh, crime. Zero points for romance, religious, children's. And I think that probably that comes from the fact that they don't make those anymore. Oh, they make children's uh, comics all the time. No, they make adult comics and they put a they put. I think Owly is a is a children's book. I mm-hmm. think uh, the the Muppets is a children's book. That's an all ages title. Eh. Everyone can enjoy that. Well, then we'll say all ages is children's books suitable for children's. So yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's good that uh, people uh, people voted this week, and in the future we will have that fixed. I think it's going to be fixed yeah. uh, tomorrow. It's a it's a picnic error. Yeah, yeah. Or All right, picnic. everyone, you can head over to Major Spoilers. You can cast your vote in the poll of the week, and when we come back, we will be talking about Dark Horse Comics, The Occultist. Stick around. Greetings and salutations, Major Spoilers. Cat Halo from the forums and from Cat Halo Movies on Facebook. Back with a couple of thoughts on The Dark Knight Rises. This is Christopher Nolan's conclusion to his Dark Knight trilogy and it is a damn fine movie. Very much in keeping with Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. The cast are all brilliant. Bale's voice is still a little too gravelly for my liking but still very good. And my wife noticed also that he never really closes his mouth properly and he has an eye wart. Check that out. Hathaway is strong, smart, and sexy as Catwoman, and steals just about all the scenes she's in. And Hardy is brilliantly charismatic as Bane, even through the mask and the mumbles. The story, which is in part Dark Knight Returns, part Nightfall, and part No Man's Land, is compelling and well told, although the movie itself is probably a little long, and the editing could be tightened up a bit, particularly in the second act. But, in general, it's very entertaining and has more humour in it than the previous two movies. There is a little less action than expected, but what action there is, is very well done. So, as I said at the beginning, this is a damn fine piece of filmmaking. Not the best movie ever made, maybe not even the best Bat movie ever made, but I really liked it. 
Unfortunately, I can't really talk Dark Knight Rises without saying that my heart goes out to the town of Aurora in Colorado, the family, the victims, their friends, and anyone affected by the senseless shooting. And I'll leave it there. Oh, actually, sorry, one more thing. On the topic of the weekend show, the comic movie tie-ins, a good example that came to mind was uh, Chasing Dogma. It explains Jane Bob's journey between Chasing Amy and Dogma. It is briefly glossed over in the Dogma movie, but there's more detail in the book, and I think that's a good example of movie comic tie-in bridgeiness. And now I'll really leave it there. As always, you can like Cat Halo Movies on Facebook if you're so inclined, or follow me on Twitter. Or find me and many other like-minded individuals on the Brilliant Major Spoilers Forum. Thanks, guys, and have a great week. I want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors, TweakedAudio.com. If you're looking for a different kind of headphone, you might want to check out the ones that are offered by Tweaked Audio. Four styles, six colors. You can get a microphone if you want to hook this up to one of your phones. Uh, designed for great music and great talk. Uh, TweakedAudio.com and check this out. When you do check out, use the checkout code MAJOR. Okay, use the checkout code MAJOR at checkout and get one-third off your order. We know a lot of people are purchasing those and letting us know that they enjoy those tweaked audio headphones. So head over there right now, tweakedaudio.com, and buy today. And we thank them for being a sponsor of Major Spoilers. So, uh, Rob Bailey. Kind of a average, putz? ordinary putz. Mm-hmm. Going to college. Girlfriend broke up with him. His mom is super religious, and he works in a old, dusty bookstore for not very much money. Until one day, Mr. Elder, the owner of the store, uh, is getting ready to sell a very rare book. That book apparently doesn't want to be sold. It wants to be read by Rob Bailey. Rob opens it up, and inside he discovers... All sorts of crazy stuff. A magic. A magic is what he discovers. And suddenly the book makes him the sword. No, it makes him the occultist. Oh, it makes him the occultist. The the contents of the book are the sword. Whatever that means. Because now all manner of demon are after him. Yes. And what does he use his power for first? Well, first to to blow up some of the bad guys. But yes, then he uses it to make his girlfriend turn madly crazy uh, in love slash horny for him. His, his ex-girlfriend. Yes, his ex-girlfriend. Such a D-bag maneuver. It is. It really is. Um, and then... It kind of comes back to bite him. Oh, yeah. No, it, it certainly does come back oh, to bite certainly, him. Oh, uh, it certainly does. It doesn't bite him near as hard as I feel like it should. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, uh, the death of the uh, bookstore owner gets the police involved. And we're introduced to uh, Officer, what's her name, Mendez? Melendez. 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 Yeah, Melendez. And, yeah. um, and her gratuitous Spanish. I don't know. What, what happens next, Matthew? Well, basically, uh, the standard superhero origin, where the bad guys come for him, he realizes he has powers, he comes to terms with his powers, he learns to be super powerful. Uh, miraculously escapes being murdered several times. Several plot points are also murdered in their prime for reasons which remain obscure. And basically, by by the point that we're about three quarters of the way through, we've had the standard superhero, oh no, it, it was terrible and now I love it kind of thing. And he's on his way to having a new girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, this uh, 
Rodrigo, tell us some more about the story. So tell us some other interesting plot points if you can. <laughs> uh, how much time do I have to do this? Uh, I don't know. Do it in 30 seconds. Okay. That should be easy. Uh, so along with uh, magical powers, he also gets an automatic enemy who wants to eat him. It is some kind of skull snake yes. that comes after him. Um, also, somebody puts a, a bounty on his head and a bunch of super cool bounty hunters show up. Um, Crystal Hippie. Um, Female uh, Jones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the, uh, well, it's uh, Crystal Hippie, um, Lingerie Demon, um, Snake Lady, uh, Indiana Jew, which they make a big deal out of. Yeah. Um, and well, then... Yes, and then... Uh, Pandora's black exploitation. Yes. All of all of whom I thought were way more interesting characters than the main <laughs> character. Also, Tentacle Eye. Yeah, which um, is kind of cool. I yeah, I know. I, I mean, when I uh, Norse Norse giant dude, druid. Uh, giant druid. Yeah. And are we missing? There's somebody we're missing. It's in an, that, it's an undo giant. Huh? The guy who uh, throws cards. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Gambit Junior. Double down. Gambit Junior. Yeah. Double down. Double. Yeah, down. <laughs> yeah sure. Double down. Uh, um, is that his name? And don't no, forget that's, Hitchhiker Girl. That's, that's Double probably. down was a Flash villain. Yes. Hitchhiker Girl with, with snakes. Right, right. Snake Lady, I think well, he said. Yeah, I, I said Snake Lady. Oh, okay. It, that's the Skull Snake. No, no, no. No, the Skull no, Snake's no, a, a, a different. Else. Yeah. Snow, oh. Skull Snake is actually uh, when... Uh, What's his name? The after uh, after he beats up all the bounty hunters, yeah, no yeah. disintegrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then then Skull Snake shows up. Skull Snake yeah. actually shows up to the uh, to the uh, main bad guy's apartment and uh, eats him and eats his brain, eats and his then uh, head. puts back on the hooker outfit. Yeah. And, and that's that's who the hitchhiker is. Is Skull oh, is Snake? It? It's uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Snake Lady was in the church when. Oh, okay. There you go. Snake Lady. Yeah, we were confused as this person. That's okay, because really, to be honest, well, Rob, go ahead and add anything that you want to add in as far as story goes. They fight vampires at the prom. They they, they fight a prom for vampires and (sighs) demon whores? Demon whores and demon whores, yes. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, that's about... Uh, it, from what this the story sounds confusing the way we tell it because the story is it all over the place. It's confusing, and this is this is my thing with it. it there's a lot of interesting ideas here. There there's are a lot of interesting ideas that get no breathing room, um, and some of the most interesting ideas, as Rodrigo called it, many of these characters are taken out in a one-page shot, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I liked that. I wanted to know, but. And, of course, there's one problem that I had with this, and this is related to my problem of facial expressions. A fedora hat is very hard to draw. And making it look natural on a human head is very difficult. If you've ever read a Phantom Stranger comic not drawn by Jim Aparo, you know what I'm talking about. Mm. Indiana Jewess, in every single panel, I want to strangle whoever drew her hat. Because it looks like they drew her head and then they superimposed a hat over her already drawn head with Photoshop. And the hat never, ever quite looks right. And if you're going to have something like, uh, uh, I I know I take fedora hats personally. I had one in college that was like a friend to me. But if you're going to have a character who has that iconic accessory, 
for God's sake, you have to draw the thing right. Yeah, there are a number of different artists working on on this book, or at least the art style changes uh, quite a bit throughout the uh, throughout the the trade that but, we were sent. Uh, if if it is multiple different artists, there's a there's a there's an effort for consistency, which well, I you know, can the, at least the appreciate. The last issue or the fifth issue is a different mm-hmm. artist for sure. Yeah, the first issue in the story is a different artist, and maybe it's the same artist as in the fifth. Um, but then when you mm-hmm. get in uh, chapters uh, two through four, um, it, maybe it's a consistent artist. I don't know, but the well, art was kind of all over the place uh, from yeah, my standpoint. One thing that I noticed as I was writing, or rather, rather reading this issue, and I don't know if it means anything. Did you notice that it was created by the publisher and editor in chief of Dark Horse? Oh, really? Well, I guess that means yeah, we're not going to be getting Richardson. anything else from uh, <laughs> Dark Horse anymore. Well, and I, I, I don't want to shoot him in the foot because it's not as though this is a bad comic. It's, it's not. Just... This is a this is a twelve issue maxi series that was condensed into four issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, like I said, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Very little gets any chance to breathe because there's there's a Bailey's story of being bitten by a radioactive uh, book home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's the story of, you know, these alien bounty hunters sent by Darth Vader to kill him. Then there's the story of the, you know, the cute Latina sidekick. And then, you know, it's there's a lot going on to the point where... I wanted more explanation of what was up with uh, evil, evil Tony Robbins before he got his head, you know. Yeah, bitten yeah. Off. I mean, th- I wanted more. We don't get that character. Of, well, of, I, he, I he takes over the cop later. Yeah. Well, I mean, we I know or, we see that later, but I mean, I wanted to see why is he doing this and where is his I, power coming? You know, from? That I wanted, one I think is set up so as we I was do I, find out. I was okay in with volume. it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's actually one of the many things in this book where I was like, "Oh, there it is," and mm-hmm. then it was kind of dropped. But I did kind of like that. It's like, "Hello, I am the big villain. I am ha ha ha," and then something comes over and yeah, eats yeah, his yeah. head. I was like, "All right, well, that was a swerve. I can I can take it for what it is. Let's let's find out what the snake monster is." Mm-hmm. And then interesting. The cop in California shows up to save the day. Yeah. Which, which was weird. Which was, a, I was like, oh, that's such a deus ex machina, but it actually turned out okay, because, yeah. you know, there was a reason for that to happen. Deus ex machina for a very evil, evil, evil reason. Right. The, oh, so here's what I like about the book. Um, I like the hook, mm-hmm. you know, that you've suddenly become superpowered, you know, wielder of magic, mm-hmm. and you have to deal with this. I like the fact that this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer with a guy in the lead. I like that this is um, the Dresden Files. Mm-hmm. Right. I like I like both of those that combination. I like that we have some interesting characters in that they're interesting for a number of different reasons. You know, Rob obviously starting out as uh, the D bag and then slowly trying to come to grips with this and hopefully. After the fifth issue, or after this volume is over, he continues to grow as a as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the uh, the cop uh, angle is is kind of interesting. I, I like all of these things, but as it's mashed up into this into this trade, it, it literally is four issues that tell the bulk of your story, right? And then you have the fifth issue, which is kind of I mean, it's I don't want to say it's tacked on, 
but it does give you the big reveal that his new mentor is actually really the bad guy, and the ghost elder bookstore owner is now a, a captive ghost. I mean, that's kind of a nice hook. I like all those bits. It just seemed like it was boom, 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 and there was it felt like a bunch of jump cuts in a film or video where you're just like that those transitions don't make sense from one point to another. Mm-hmm. It yeah. seemed very rushed, and like I said, had this book been given time to breathe a little bit. I, you could have had two issues of them running from the uh, from the uh, cult yeah. of the uh, of the uh, insane Wiccans or whatever that they were. You could right. have done the four people? issues. No, on no, no. The vampire, the, the, the vampire prom, bounty hunters. The bounty hunters. Oh yeah. Uh, like pick pick any beat of the story. You could have done four issues on Vampire Prom. You can you could have done four e- issues on each of the bounty well, hunters. Now eventually that would have gotten old if all we were right, we were right, seeing right. was just a monster of the week. But here's but the thing. pick one, do Here, four issues on them. Here's the thing. Matthew just gave glowing reviews to the Revivers, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which was written by Tim Seeley. Mm-hmm. Right? Tim Seeley wrote The Occultist. Tim Seeley wrote Hack Slash. Hack slash is monster of the week. How do we defeat them? Right, moving right, on. Right. This is that. This is that same kind of setup. And you know, for um, uh, Richardson, you know, it's kind of the same way. It's it's like everything works really well, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it just kind of stumbles over itself. And that's what I really ultimately am disappointed mm-hmm. with. Now, I I do find it interesting that. Um, you know, other reviewers out there are saying that, hey, this is a this is a great book. Here's one reviewer saying, I'm happy with The Occultist. Uh, here's another reviewer that says, what's the other one? Um, this is, let's see. This is one of the best, this is one of the best genre-oriented books I've read in a long time. Okay, I mean that's fine. I just I I guess I don't see what these other reviewers are seeing in uh giving it this this praise. Rob can I mean you said you thought it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I can see uh I, now that you guys are kind of picking it apart in, f- mm-hmm. in front of me, I can see <laughs> why or where the flaws are. Right. I uh, as I said earlier when I said I enjoyed it, I'm usually the lowest common denominator here. I no, but yeah, the stuff that I enjoy tends to, I, I I tend to enjoy it a lot simpler without analyzing things. I can see this probably should have been given uh, the the main story there should have been given at least another couple of issues to mm-hmm. get more going on with everything. Really, yeah. I, I wanted more with Indiana Jew. I wanted a little more with all the uh, bounty hunters. Bounty hunters. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, like the story, the overall story really works for me. It, uh, I wish he would have gotten a little more of a, uh, I don't know, punishment, uh, repercussions for yes. casting the uh, love spell for his... for. Uh, and 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 I'm gonna go out on a limb here for raping his girlfriend. Oh, you said it. I yep. and I and I will and I will stand by that because you can be married to someone and if you force someone to have sex with you you are raping them this is magical mind control but yeah, she did not want to be him and, or did not want to be with him right. and him. he forced her yeah and multiple times and the thing that really gets me is it's not even like they they made a you know a joke of it or waved it it's it's literally just hand waved and done 
it's something that should have had a little more development. A lot of things in this book, I feel like, would have benefited from some development. The three and a half issues that it takes him to go from, oh gosh, I'm a concerned teenager to, you've got an appointment with the occultist, feels very, very rushed, very fast. And the, you know, the parts of it that really worked for me, the parts of it that I liked, all felt like they were coming in at the wrong times. The appearance of, you know, the Latina Spitfire cop who's going to obviously be his new love interest. I liked that, but that happened in like the first six pages of the book. I haven't even had a chance to get used to who this character is and if he has a relationship before we set the tone that that relationship is obviously doomed and he's eventually going to fall for Officer Melendez, you know? She comes in in the first few pages of the second issue. Right. So uh, after he's... and. Yeah, he does try to, it, he, it, he mind wipes her. He, he mind wipes her there, but he talks about the love spell, like that's how the first issue closed, the first chapter closed, was right. he's like, oh, I can do a love spell. Right. And, and then yep. Melendez shows up before you even realize that he's done yeah, the love so spell. So the way this was originally released is the first chapter that we're reading in this was, was released as a one shot. And right. then the next three chapters are part of the miniseries. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, from what I can tell, uh, the story continues in Dark Horse Presents. And okay. so that's probably where we're getting this the, the fifth chapter in mm -hmm. this, uh, the afterthought. Um, you know, Rob, it's it's great. And it's great that all these other reviewers are finding a lot of, of great things and that they're really liking the series. And there's really nothing wrong with that. I like this series, and I really want to like this series more except there there are these weird jumps in the story that mm -hmm. don't play out as naturally as they could and maybe you know when we go back and we look at comics from um you know the 1960s 1970s you know you're telling the entire uh uh clone saga in one issue right, right? back then today we spread it out over 5 years uh, and so maybe that's, you know, that's what's going on here. We have to take this entire story and we have to get it down into three issues. And so we have to do some somebody, somebody, very liberal editing. Somebody needs to go out and do that, though. Somebody out there should make the Clone Saga the way Stan and Jack would, would have yeah, done it. Or uh, cool. Stan and Steve, I guess. Yeah. They did do a relaunch, redo of the Clone Saga a couple of years ago. But yeah, did they it do it like, in one issue? It wasn't one issue. Was yeah, like did, they, did, did they do a thing where they had the Scarlet Spider jumping through the air and then a giant word balloon saying, <laughs> oh, I do not know if I deserve this for I am Ben Riley, but really I am Spider-Man. I have been Spider-Man all along, but the Jackal put me in a clone tube. Fiddle-dee-dee, boom. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I went to war. So What's the Jackal? I, guess, I don't even remember. And anything. again, yeah. like I said earlier, there are some really good things about this book. They just don't. I don't know. They just don't sit right with me. Oh, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good ideas here, and certainly the rape issue is something uh, we talked about. Go back and listen a long time ago in one mm -hmm. of the early bonus major spoilers podcasts where we talked about mind control. Yep, and essentially the rape uh, aspect of that. Right, right. Um, it was in was it in it was Hush? In the early 100s. Because because we talked about. I know we talked it was about after, it. It was with... after a Professor X. Thing. Uh, I see. Uh, that I brought it up. Because so. I know we brought it up with the uh, potential like Catwoman Poison mm -hmm. Ivy issue. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in Hush. That yeah. or Dark Victory. Yeah. I don't remember which one it was in. Yeah. But uh, that issue aside, 
which, you know, could be enough of a, a stick in somebody's craw that, you know, there is no other issue. But that issue aside, uh, there are a lot of good ideas here. All of which, you know, you would think that a writer would be like, oh, that's a good idea. I want to milk this for six months. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe it was because, you know, you want to get, like, regardless of who you are and regardless of what you're doing, there's a there's some amount of pressure to get your comic proven. So you want to put, like, your best ideas forward. Right. I think part of the problem with this comic is that it put all of its best ideas well, forward. the other yeah. thing, too, and I'm remembering, I'm trying to remember back six, eight months ago, um... You know, Dark Horse had a just huge announcement, one right after the other. First, we have our Alabaster Wolves, mm-hmm. and then we had um, what was that uh, Magic Academy one that was based on a on a series of books, and then we had um, the the Vampire story, and I forget which one that one, you know the title of that one. <laughs> oh no, those the, are all the va- Bounty Hunters the, here. Vampire the story. You know, they they just had a big. Overwelling of, of new, right, new, new titles new that titles. were different, and I'm pretty sure that this was part of that uh, original announcement of, of new books. And um, you know, it, it, I guess it is what it is. Matthew, there. See, and this is the problem that I have is I don't want to seem like I'm being a jerk and shooting down a, a potentially cool new comic, but there's so much going on in these pages, and there's so much that. I don't want to say feels familiar, but definitely there's a lot of territory that we, you know, we've been on before. When we when we look at the main character, you know, it's that Spider-Man arc. It's that, you know, Blue Beetle arc. The mm-hmm. now you have wild powers and then there are these characters and Detective Melendez is that character she'd be played by Rosie Perez if it was 1988. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff here and there's some some building blocks that I think are awesome. Tropes are not bad. You want to know what my favorite part of the issue was? What's that? When Foxy Brown and Indiana Jewess meet in the uh, cafe, in the little cafe, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. talk about oh, yeah. how they're going to go and catch the kid, and they and they kind of awesome. and they kind of posture. No, it was a, it was a you good... know they're like, oh well, this isn't going to go down like the the Reno job or right, whatever. Right, right. It's like, oh, won't it? Kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're not the only ones here. Yeah, that that was taken... a cool scene. What, what was that movie that that we were talking about when we were going to Nerdtacular? It's the um, um, it's the one that's got the plethora of the stars, and they're trying to get the guy that's holed up in the casino. Oh, Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces. You could have oh, done a whole 11. Smoking Aces riff I know, with could, those bounty hunters. And, the, and, yeah. that's, and that's the thing. There are a lot of, th- like Matthew said, there. Are, well, like Matthew I've tried to avoid saying, there are a lot of things that feel familiar about this. Right. If this was a, let's do a magic version of Spider-Man, and then let's do a magic version of Smoking Aces, and then let's do a magic version of all, you know, yeah. a magicer version of Buffy the Vampire I, Slayer killing <laughs> all the vampires at prom, that could work. Yeah, yeah. If it hadn't happened within the span of three issues. So let me let me postulate this. Let me throw this out there and, and let you guys think about this. Sometimes we talk about how there are some books that read most excellently in the trade. Mm-hmm. A lot of Ryan Michael Bendis stuff. You know, if you read Spider-Man, uh, the ultimate Spider-Man stuff, you read those first, you know, arcs and issues. They read yeah. so much better as a collective yep. yep. tone because yeah, you can because just blow through Bendis it. because the way Bendis writes 10 issues is an issue. Yeah. And then I'm wondering... If this book reads terrible in the trade, but if you would have had a month in between issues, if this would have been a better series, do you think? It's it's I, possible. I will say that in my case, 
uh, if I had had a month in between issues. Uh, between issues, I'm going to say two and three, I would have gone, wait a minute, that was rape, and then yeah. not picked up the rest of the series. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Mm. Because, you know, if you read that first chapter, that's the first standalone book. That's a good, it's got a good hook, it's got yeah. good everything in it. Then you get to the middle arc, and it's okay. And then the final arc is, hey, let's go kill some vampires in a one-shot, and that makes a lot of sense by itself. And there's some good sure, humor sure. in that, you know, where the vampire's flying away and he sticks himself on a tree and he's like, oh, crap. I mean, I think that's uh, probably part of the pacing issues is that, is that he's trying to get the major story beats mm-hmm. into single issues. Mm-hmm. And it and it's maybe not, like, there's maybe too much to say to actually get it into I, a single issue. I'm just issue. wondering if this didn't read better or spread out. I think it might. Part. And part of the reason why is the fridge, the fridge logic kind of rolls up on you. The moment where you're like, oh, wait, 10 pages ago, he just did that. Or the moment where he uses his telepathic powers to convince Officer Melendez that, no, she doesn't have video of him on her phone. Right. Well, that's fine. But if she has that video on her phone, that video is on her work phone. It's part of her information, which means that her boss and her partner and everybody at the station and the IT guy know about that video. Mm -hmm. So he wiped her memory. She's going to go back to work. She's going to read her emails or have the IT guy go, hey, did you pick up that college kid yet? Remember the video on your phone. Well, she does keep showing back up. Yeah, that that is. But again, it's like if you blink, you miss it because she does show up again. Like two other times. And, and every time she sees him, she's like, yeah, uh, it's like, hey, I got questions to ask you. It's like, oh, yeah. you already did. Which I get. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, but it's like, that's that's your story right there is him being like, oh, God, it's that cop lady again. I have mm-hmm. to wipe. You know, I mean, there are so many beats in it. The, there are so many stories in this story that if they had just been expanded a little bit, that would have been great. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I just and there's there's yeah. one sequence that is very troubling to me, and it's troubling to me not from the person you know I'm offended and I'm on it was awful and oh oh oh, we've seen that this boy has a mother who is highly religious, yeah, super religious, and there's like a three panel discussion I think in issue five yeah. where he talks about the iconography of magic and how uh, when you break it down Christianity is just another magical cult with its symbols and. And then the it, the character goes, oh, maybe not. And you kind of have the feeling that, you know, that moment to me felt like the, the artist wanting to make a point and almost making a point and then deciding not to make a point, but to make sure to put it in there so that it was in there and putting I, it in the, in the, the character's voice. I think so uh, actually, I think, I think what that was, and, and I think the art is kind of problematic in that. At that mm-hmm. moment, I think what it is is the implication is that she is at least a little bit religious, if not fairly religious, yeah. she and she's and she's and and she's giving him the stink eye, really? and the, and the, yeah, because she's like that's in that scene. Let me see where that's the one where, where the vampire. I forget yeah, where the vampire like, comes in. Page one hundred or so. Okay, let me see uh, if page, I can. I'm looking at page one sixteen where he yeah, does that. Is... And she says, I've never seen you make a Jesus cross before. Mm-hmm. You say 116? Uh, 117, actually. Okay. In the copy that I'm reading, anyway. Uh, let's see. That's after all. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see that. Okay. So I, I guess I can to... kind of read that in. I, that's, that's what I got out of it. I mean, you might be right where he goes, 
better or maybe not. But I thought it it seemed like there was no reason no, no reason for that. Yeah, she just kind of has a a vapid Eliza Dushku look on her face there, which. And I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, reading it that way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe what it was is that I was like, well, there's no reason for him to say er or not. So that must be what they're trying to convey here. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I think, I think that it is. I think that she's supposed to like be mad at him. It's just that the artist didn't quite, quite manage to convey that. And that, you know, that's kind of the thing. The implication throughout the issue that I got at least a couple of times was that she is supposed to be, well, and honestly, uh, all of the you know minority Latina sidekicks are supposed to be highly religious and implicitly Catholic. She does say like her her n- prerequisite Madre de Dios or just yeah. Dios at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she does a Jesus, Jesus Christo. Christo as well. That's yeah, that's yeah. a yeah, that's a good one. So uh, they you glad they kept that tone down. Um, I since, since it's got Spanish in the book, we got to bring that up every time. Yeah, I I guess it was good that it was toned down, and I suppose that uh, if a character is you know unlike the usual comic book thing of like uh, foreign characters being unable to say the word yes or friend, right? Um, <laughs> and having to use their native language, it makes a lot more sense that if somebody who is not a native English speaker is then surprised mm-hmm. that they would uh shout out in their native tongue that makes a lot more sense Mm -hmm. interesting they do only have one artist listed on this i've noticed that too and that confuses me because man his art style do you think it's an inker issue say that chapter one has somebody specific doing inks on that because i think i think it's a color and inks issue i think that um production issue yeah if you look at some of them like the shadows around like the eyes and eyebrows and stuff are really stark, like your um, cover to Starman, mm-hmm. like like hyper uh, contrast kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and some of them are a lot softer. So I wonder if it isn't the same artist, but a different coloring and inking style is it, just it drastically changing the way it looks. Yeah, it could be. Rob, uh, final thoughts on this book? I'd say it's worth reading. Uh I, like I said I enjoyed it. It it hit. It, it, I can see where all your complaints are. Mm-hmm. It hit a lot of what I wanted from the book. The and the only thing that actually bothered me the when I read it through the first time was the mother. I just kind of wanted to scream at her for a lot of things, but that was probably. I mean, that was a good, well done. a good thing, right? You yeah. you you love to hate her, kind of. Yeah, thing. especially she made when she of bags on Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. It wasn't <laughs> the D and D comment. It was the uh, go back to religion instead of science comment yeah, yeah, yeah. when she's wandering around with an oxygen tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Mm-hmm. That that was the one that actually made Casual me go, "Oh my god, I hate you so much." So you say, uh, but I say, buy it, borrow it, borrow it. Okay, Rodrigo, what about you? Uh, let's see. I think that. Um, the reading the occultist is like uh being on a on a road trip with a friend who is a really cool friend but at every chance you have to go to a weird looking bar or 
to check out some weird Indian sculpture by the side of the road, he says, no, let's go to McDonald's yeah, instead. You could have just said, can we pull over and look at the you took You took me to taco time. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Every time there's a choice of let's do something cool or let's do something by the numbers, right. it does it by the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that it brings up so many cool things. I mean, this is like a different version of Chekhov's gun. This is like... Chekhov talking about Godzilla yeah. and never, and Godzilla never shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like there are so many cool things that could have happened but didn't. And over by the nuclear vessels, right? Which which would work. And then there's the mind control issue, which mm-hmm. did stick in my craw. So I pass. Okay. Uh, for me, I think that the occultist has a huge amount of potential. Mm-hmm. There is this book this trade the character the concepts just has so much potential and we get to see some of that potential spill forth onto the pages of this book that being said because we're not able to explore those potential items any deeper the book just feels rushed and the story feels choppy and i did not care for the book but i do like the idea Maybe in the Dark Horse Presents, if it's still going on in Dark Horse Presents, uh, maybe the story's getting better. I will probably see if I can um, track it down and check it out. Uh, This one is a uh, borrow from the public library if they have it. Um, But I guess don't expect a lot out of it. You know, it's got a lot of potential, but just doesn't, doesn't follow through. Art, you know, except for the weird, maybe again, as we said, the inking. Uh, and the coloring's a little bit uh, different from a couple of arcs, but the art's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, check it out from the public library. Matthew. My greatest issue with these issues is the opposite of my normal complaint. Normally, I'm like, ah, too much, and no, oh, and they should have, and this is, no, this isn't enough. This isn't enough. The first three-issue arc should have been at least four. And in this case, this, the six-issue arc that people think is, is obvious and necessary, perfectly justified here. There was so much going on, and there was so much awesome that's being thrown in that after a while it kind of feels like things are just being thrown in because they're awesome. You know, something where it, it may have been in today's market, they don't know if they're going to get more than three issues, no, that's so we're going to give you everything up front. But... What it really boiled down to for me was nothing really had a whole lot of explanation. On my first read-through, I didn't catch that the cop from the East Coast was actually possessed, and then he showed up, and all of a sudden things... You know, there was there was a hint of something weird, but I had to go back through it a second time to catch that and figure out, first of all, how that worked. The big bad is introduced and then gets his head bitten off, which, as Rodrigo said, is interesting. Yeah. But it's one of the only times that a trope is inverted here. Everything else is played absolutely straight, so it felt anticlimactic. You know, the relationship with the girlfriend is hugely problematic. I wanted to know more about his mom. I wanted to know more about the bookshop owner. I wanted to know more about all of these bad guys. And, you know, by, you know, 80% of the way through the book, he's got a superhero catchphrase and a costume, and he's leaping out windows with magical powers just too fast. And for me, it's... Unfortunately, I hate to say it, it's a skip it because the execution just never quite matches up to how ingenious parts of the concept are. And frankly, the hat thing killed it for me. (laughs) 
Hmm. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to our conversation about The Occultist. If you've read this and have a different opinion, please let us know. Go over to Majorspoilers.com, use the comment section, and uh, share your thoughts. And that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at the Fictionauts. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be In the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers It's copyright 2012